When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to another episode of Mysteries of the Unexplained. I am your host for the day. My name is Anya Myra and in the background we have Will. I think he might be eating a biscuit so let's just see if he's able to say hello to us right now. Hi, hello, hello crystal clear voice here. <laughs> How are you? Delighted to be back for another episode. Oh and was that a custard cream or a marietta that you were just eating there Will? I guess you could say it's a mystery of the unexplained. You'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us again. And I am back today for part two of Sally. Um, I know you've been waiting with bated breath there for the last two weeks. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Um, Will, do you remember anything that I said to you two weeks ago? Or has your short attention span just let it fly right out of that little head of yours? Um, a mixture of both, to be honest with you. <laughs> a mixture of both. Um, I do remember Sally being a little witch. She is a little witch. Um, so just to keep you guys informed, if you haven't heard the first episode, I do recommend going back and listening. For those that did listen, I'll just give you a little recap. So, um... Deborah and Tony move into their new house as she's expecting in the year 1993, which seems like a billion years ago now. And uh, very soon they start realising that they're not alone in this house and something spooky is going on. So, yeah, we got to a point where Deborah's husband, Tony, who was actually the sceptic of the group now, Will, he wasn't the one that was believing in groups, in in groups. He wasn't the one that was believing in ghosts now at all. Deborah was actually more the seeker in this relationship, always had believed in the paranormal and kind of had, kind of had a wish to see a ghost. And very soon after they move in, they realise that strange things are happening in their house. 
uh, the nursery where they put their newborn baby soon starts to experience very spooky goings on. Toys are moved around the place. Teddy bears are put in a circle in the middle of the floor when nobody was home. Oh my God, I'd be out of there. I'd be like, see you later. I'll go back to Smith's Toys or Us or wherever the fuck and get new teddy bears because I ain't going back in that house. <laughs> but they persevere. <laughs> And soon they realise that they think that there's a ghost of a little girl trying to interact with them and more creepy, interact with their baby infant son. How weird is that? Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I would not be there for that whatsoever. I would be gone. And uh, just to back up their claims, they did have family members that were non-believers as well. Total cynics come to the house. And at one stage, her sister sees a fucking teddy bear turn around in the middle of the floor while she's looking at it and is like, oh my God, I'm out of here. This is fucking batshit crazy. Uh, Stuff is constantly going on and off in the house. Toys play at random times. Lights go on and off. Actually, one of the things that they said that happened most was the cord for their ceiling fan would start spinning around in circles. Oh. When there was no aircon on, the fan wasn't on, there was no windows open. And this was the dead heat of the south in summer um, in the States. So uh, they started interpreting this as a sign that there was a, a small child here that wanted to grab their attention. Where the name Sally came from was that A lady who had lived in that house beforehand had also experienced strange goings on. And she said that her young daughter said that she used to play with a girl called Sally. Oh, creepy, creepy, creepy critters. (laughs) So I left you at the end of the story last week when Deb's husband, Tony, had actually come in from work after a late shift one night. It was the early hours of the morning. He went to go get a drink from the fridge, turned around and there was a small Victorian looking child standing at the other side of the kitchen, just staring at him, just looking at him. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, his initial reaction was like, who let that dressed up Halloween child into this house? You know, like this is a real child standing here looking at me. Got so scared that after a few seconds, he dropped his glass on the ground, looked down to the broken glass. And when he looked up, she was a gone. She was gone out of there. The visitations keep coming and they keep coming stronger. And Debs and Tony start thinking, we don't think that this is just a small child anymore because she's setting shit on fire around the house. Like they've told her not to keep lighting the candles, which apparently she keeps lighting. And next thing, a teddy bear goes on fire in the middle of a kid's Christmas party. Annie, this girl needs to go on Maury Povich's, do you know that boot camp where they get, and Jenny Jones used to have the same thing, where they get like a sergeant major in and they're just like, you're going to be whipped into shape. Do you want your life to be like this? Because this is what your life would be like behind bars. And you're like, okay, okay. The child is the Antichrist, but they're also nine. You're traumatizing them. Please stop. This is the thing, right? The woman at the house, Deborah, says that when she asks the kid, this child that she's talking to the whole time, who's who seems to become like this step 
ghost kid to her. But when she asks the ghosts to stop doing dangerous things, you know, lighting fires and doing stuff to the to the kids' toys and stuff, she says that the ghost responds to her. But then weirder, more sinister things start happening, especially to her husband. And they start to think that there's something else in the house. So they have a psychic come around and the psychic confirms that there's three entities in the house. One is a little girl. But another is a man that doesn't belong there. And another is a woman who has entered the house, attached herself to another visitor to the house, come into the house. Now, she's the one doing the sinister kind of more malevolent things, especially to Tony. And by the way, she doesn't want to leave. Evil. Let's get back into this book. Almost from the beginning, Tony's experiences were different from mine. Was it the fact that he and I viewed our situation from two very different perspectives? My perspective was from a lifetime interest and a desire to know more about ghosts and the paranormal. And his was from childhood fears, born in the closet the night he saw the white ghastly face and bony hands peering out from behind the door. I had often found that his religious upbringing and Catholic schooling played a huge role in how he interpreted his experiences. While I saw non-threatening activity, he saw the possibility of demons and their trickery. Several years after moving out of the house, I began to realise he had not shared with me many of the things he had encountered there. Looking back, my reaction to any experience had been logical, but often without considering other paranormal possibilities. I know there were many occasions when I must have seemed sceptical of his personal experiences. Working nights and attempting to sleep during the day was never easy for Tony. He never got a full night's rest. I knew that getting only a few hours of sleep could lead to hallucinations. I often told him that his tired mind and body might be contributing to the things he felt, saw or heard. I ultimately chalked it up to his imagination running away with him and blowing things out of proportion. Um, now, I find this kind of hard to believe from a woman who's having like scolding conversations with a ghost and she's literally saying, get up to your room, don't light that candle again. And now you're thinking that your husband is crazy because he actually saw the ghost. So he's less crazy because he fucking saw it. You're just talking to it thinking that it's there. <laughs> so you're not on Deb's side is what you're saying. No, I'm pro Tony in this because Tony's the one getting the shit kicked out of him and you'll hear more about that. My attempts to dismiss his experiences as mere hallucinations seemed like a reasonable explanation. But this led Tony to doubt himself and his experiences and it wasn't long before he stopped sharing his concerns with me. He didn't want me or others to think he was some kind of crazy. I've realised the distinct negativity and demonic nature of what was there and the danger that existed only now that I'm years from living in that house. Tony knew in his heart that there was something bad in the house, but didn't know how to protect himself or his family from it. His only hope was that it would not escalate to harm me or the baby. As the years have passed, I have learned about many events and experiences that Tony endured without my support. One of the first things he remembers telling me was the scratching he could hear in the walls. For him, it seemed to be constant, something trying to get through the walls and make itself heard. I do not remember the sounds at all and I probably chalked it up to squirrels or something else more plausible. He never brought it up again, even though the sounds occurred more often and became more distinct as time went on. I often thought the sounds and voices he heard were the side effects of a lack of sleep. 
It was only a few months after we moved that he began hearing strange conversations, even though the voices seemed distant and unclear. Over the years, he mentioned that it often sounded as if many people were talking or whispering to each other. They often seemed to be talking at the same time or over each other and in the same room with him. Although he heard the voices throughout the day and in different rooms, he usually heard them as he was drifting off to sleep. On the edge of sleep, it was very difficult to react or respond. This made it even harder to determine what he was hearing. As the weeks turned into months, the voices seemed to gather strength and remained inaudible except for a few specific words. Sometimes they did become a little clearer to him. Just before moving the house, he reported that the room sounded like it was constantly full of people talking. And now I'm going to get William, my beautiful voice actor, to reenact a little scary situation that Tony had. I felt the water mattress start to gently roll and wave. Within a few seconds, it became violent, as if someone was standing on the bed and jumping up and down. Soon the motion was causing the pillows near my head to bounce several inches into the air and my body began to flop uncontrollably. The formation of dust particles near the foot of the bed began to get darker and denser. I think I was mesmerized by this formation and before I realized it had taken the shape of a woman's upper torso, her arms folded in front of her and across her abdomen. This thing started to move closer to me and as it did, I could see more details like dark hair and a bitchy look. Like the stone, o- <laughs> like the stone owner's wife on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? Do you remember Little House on the Prairie? Because when he said that, I actually remember this character. And she was your, she was like your typical bitchy store owner's wife that was like, what are y'all wanting? And what's the gossip from the town? <laughs> oh, my God. I digress. I remember the name of the show, but I don't, I don't think I ever watched a full episode. Um, but uh, no, I don't remember that woman. But this guy obviously was a fucking super fan. I was getting pretty scared and I don't know why, but I didn't try to get up and leave. As she got closer, I could see she was dressed all in black with a high collar adorned with a brooch. At that point, the water in the bottle of the mattress was frantically sloshing and it got so violent that I was barely able to move away and towards the other side of the bed. My heart pounded like crazy and I thought it would burst out of my chest any minute. I tried to call out for you, but nothing would come. And then, in an instant, she was in front of me. The bedroom door slammed shut. The drawer from the nightstand flung open itself, open and closed repeatedly. And the top of the high boy spun round. It was like being in a science fiction movie, and I could not scream. The woman's hand suddenly lunged from my face, and I heard a voice say, I'm gonna... I remember her hand was covered in a long black lace glove and just as it was inches away from my face I saw a black bird on her finger and then suddenly everything that was moving stopped and she was gone. Then you opened the door. The door. The night. The lights went out in Georgia. I soon came to realise that Tony was now seeing full and partial apparitions on a regular basis. 
As Tony and I bonded as a force against whatever was in the house, it stepped up its efforts and began working from within Tony. Mmm, sexy. Sometimes I didn't recognise it for what it was. For instance, I generally attributed his changing moods to a lack of sleep. I didn't consider that there could be evil spirits in our own home and I was not aware of all the signs I needed to look for. This event took place in the living room on a weekday afternoon. We had spent a leisurely morning playing with Taylor. He was now upstairs taking a nap while we relaxed on the couch. I was sitting at the far end of the couch while Tony stretched out lengthwise, his feet within a few feet of my hand. I don't remember what we were watching, but the television was on. Tony had fallen asleep as he often did after his tormented attempts to sleep after work. It was probably easier to fall asleep when somebody else was in the house. Without warning, Tony shot up. He then stared at me straight in the face and in a strange voice said, He's mine. Confused by this behaviour, I looked at him dumbfounded and waited for him to say something more. He remained motionless for several moments but said nothing. Then he simply lay back down and remained quiet for some time. I tried to figure out exactly what was so weird about what had just happened. Certainly the manner in which he sat up and the sound of his voice was odd. While his voice did sound like him, it was cold and disconnected, even mechanical. Since I thought he was just talking in his sleep, I wondered what he might have been dreaming about. Perhaps he had been dreaming about somebody wanting to take Taylor, and his reply was, He's mine. This explanation suited me just fine. Perhaps I didn't want to think about other implications. Perhaps I wasn't being allowed to think about them. I now believe the event was the beginning of turbulent feelings Tony had towards me. As he later described it, he'd been having very angry and harmful feelings toward me on a daily basis. He described having hateful thoughts when he saw me. He remembers how hard he fought the desires to hurt me. To this day, he wonders what actually stopped him from doing so. One day, he called me at work and told me he had trouble sleeping that morning. After some general conversation, he mentioned how uneasy he felt and he suggested it might be time for us to move because he felt that somebody was going to get badly hurt. And then he said, and I think it's going to be you. He described that I was the focus of anger and rage coming from the spirits in the house. We hung up the phone and I was distracted for the rest of the day, trying to make sense of his words. Okay, sorry. If Dave rang me from work when there was a ghost in the house and said, basically said, <laughs> you're for it. Like, you're, you're, you're fucking dead. I'd be like, sorry, <laughs> excuse I, me. I wouldn't be like, okay, dear, see you for dinner. Bye bye now. I think this guy wants a divorce, but he doesn't know how to go about it. Maybe, maybe he invented. Well, listen to this. Listen to this. His feelings of aggression continued to grow. He became argumentative, short of patience, and his temper flared often. Unaware of its depth or origin, I blamed this on a lack of sleep. Okay, this one is mad for the lack of sleep. Okay, he's not, he's not, he, uh, he could be an axe murderer. Ah, he wasn't getting enough sleep. He was very tired. In fairness, tired. from my experience last night, the lack of sleep can make you crazy. <laughs> you 
text me you you voicemail me this morning you were like I am so tired that I feel like my eyes are in my ears I was like that doesn't even make any sense and then when I asked you about it this evening you were like I don't really <laughs> that's how tired I was and it does make sense I think a lot of people will agree that uh, feeling like your eyes are in your ears when you're that tired is uh, a very accurate description of tiredness itself yes yes opinions please Get in touch. One of these instances with Tony's new personality had to do with what I assume was a neighbourhood cat. There had been two significant and horrifying experiences in the house concerning cats and these experiences were very different. One was the unfortunate incident with the cat in the dryer. Oh lads, I didn't tell you this one. What? (laughs) So soon after they moved into the house... One day when the light, the light started going on and off and some of the toys all started playing at the same time. And uh, Deborah was in the house and she just put a load of washing on and she said everything in the house kind of started going mad. And she was like, what, like, what's going on? And she already like believed in Sally at this stage. Um, And she was like, is she trying to tell me something? But she couldn't figure out what was wrong. And later on, one of their kitty cats was missing. Oh, spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah. Poor little kitty cat. Now that that could happen in a non-demonic house as well. But when this one happens, then you got to start thinking what's going on and please don't fuck with cats. Tony had gotten home just before I woke. We both went about the morning as usual. I got ready and left for work while Tony tried to unwind before going to sleep. Years later, he would describe the day to me. He remembers getting a bowl of cereal shortly after I left. As he turned to put the milk away, he saw a cat drinking out of a bowl. He didn't recognise the cat and had no idea how it had gotten into the house. Seeing the cat drinking from his bowl completely infuriated him. He took a few steps closer, angrily pulled a French knife from the countertop holder next to the stove and stabbed the cat. What? Mm Mm-hmm. He remembers being very proud of the act. Knowing how much of a cat lover I was, he was excited about leaving it there for me to see when I returned home. Without a care in the world, he then went into the living room and sat on the couch, his feelings turning more hateful and wretched. I'll just stab her too, he thought. Sorry, this man needs to be locked up. Sorry, Tony, it's every... (laughs) Is everything okay? He sat on the couch, continuing to stew in his rage. I can't stand her nagging. I can't stand looking at her. Eventually, he made detailed plans to kill me upon my return. If she walks by me, I'm just going to slit her throat. He remained in this state all morning, with the dead cat still lying in the kitchen. At some point in the early afternoon, he went upstairs to dress for the day and eventually left the house to pick up Taylor, who was staying with Tony's parents. He returned a few hours later, feeling more like himself. He cleaned up the dead cat so I wouldn't see it and thought, oh my God, what the hell was I thinking? Should he not be in jail? He should be in jail for this. I can't... What? I... Like, I would... If... If my partner killed a cat, I would be I like, know. the police would be involved and I would not be in that house. I would not stay there and I probably would break up with them. 
And but in fairness, she, he in fairness, Deborah didn't know about this until years later because he was obviously so ashamed about it. Um, so Tony gets really scared, right, and decides to go to um his priest and starts going to talk to his priest every week it's not as if he didn't realize that it was really wrong that's not justifying it but he said at this time that he felt like something had actually kind of taken over him and like his wife would say as well like it was complete that like she was so shocked when she heard it was completely out of character for him like he would never they always had cats like they always had cats and kittens in the house and this was the second horrific thing that had happened now of course the other one accident but like then she you know like it was years after they had moved out that he finally got the guts to tell her and he was like I just don't know what came over me but like what if something worse had come over him and what if he had have actually killed her true yeah I mean it seems like things are on the knife edge here and it feels like anything anything could happen yes very very unsettled uh, yes and as well as that I have to mention that um, by this stage they'd had like a lot of interest in the house and they'd had this group called Sightings come to the house a few times they were like a local like television crew kind of thing and I suppose Deborah wanted them to come to the house because she was interested to get answers and people's opinion but Tony never wanted any of the publicity he said he didn't want people in his house he didn't want neighbours thinking that they were crazy like he was actually the cynic of the two but interestingly and there's pictures of this I'm actually going to put up I'll put them on the Patreon and put them on the Facebook group this thing whatever was in the house it was Tony that it seemed to be gunning for a lot of the time because he would come out regularly with like huge scratches on him like I know I mentioned in the first episode that he had like big scratches on his arm when they had investigators in the house one time trying to figure out what was going on they witnessed him like 11 times in the space of an hour being scratched um with no explanation whatsoever they said they'd never seen anything like it he had huge scratches all over his back at one stage he pulled up his shirt and he had the letters m and g scrawled into his back five inches long like this thing was like coming for him oh my gosh yeah yeah so he he at the time didn't act like he was that affected by this this is not to justify the cat killing but obviously he was in a really really bad place yeah it seems like he yeah he seems like he's in the devil's clutch there Annie I'd say it's probably the worst possible situation you could be in you're on a knife edge of spending your life in prison because you would have murdered somebody under a demonic influence yeah Over the course of a little more than a year and a half we experienced enough to begin drawing conclusions about who or what we were dealing with Sadly, they were mostly based on events that I and others had witnessed rather than Tony's experiences, which at the time seemed unlikely due to the sleep deprivation factor. I had gone several months feeling that Sally had grown warm and friendly to us and I talked to her every evening as if she was in the room with me. I swear sometimes I could even feel her presence. Sometimes I felt a cold pressure on my lap and I felt like this was her trying to come close to me. In contrast, it was very easy to see that Sally was not fond of my mother-in-law. Perhaps it was jealousy or what Sally perceived as her overbearing nature when it came to the baby. 
The activity surrounding events when my mother-in-law was around was just too coincidental and seemed to clearly signal Sally's displeasure. So much of my time and efforts went in to understand Sally that I didn't see the possibility of something other than a human spirit being responsible for the activity and the events in the house. I was too excited about communicating with spirits to be concerned with what sort of spirit energy I was dealing with. And my motherly instincts to coddle a seven-year-old, even be it a ghost, were primed with the birth of our newborn. Honestly, I don't think I was able to see much beyond what I wanted to see. I also observed that when the activity we had attributed to Sally would cease for a short period of time, and we initially wondered if she was gone for good, we would soon realise that she would always resurface. It was during these quiet periods that we would catch ourselves wondering why our minds were perceiving things the way they did. Were we both going mad or were we just making things up? This emotional to and fro forced us to reprocess the available information in order to realise the reality around us. Then came the realisation that what we were dealing with might not be an innocent little girl. By the end of our first year, we had realised from Christmas photos taken that there were two distinct entities in our house. I took a giant step back, re-evaluated our situation through a broader perspective and began to listen more to what Tony would tell me. Not only had Tony seen and heard another woman, two independent psychics seemed to feel the presence of a woman in the house. Coupled with the very nature of the harm that was coming to Tony, it seemed reasonable to assume that a spirit had some sort of vendetta against Tony. Maybe it was what he resembled or represented in the eyes of his spirit opponent. We even considered that Tony was a reincarnation of this woman's husband, lost love or even an enemy. It was simply theory, however, none of which we have ever been able to corroborate with historical facts. From a slightly more sinister perspective, if the entity wanted us to stay in the house for a specific reason and its first attempt was to entice us with the innocent Sally, it didn't make sense for it to work so hard to remove me from the picture. I seemed to be an unwitting advocate in its goal of winning Tony over. Why then was it attacking him so much? Why did it make so many attempts to tear a relationship apart? It didn't make any sense and it was more reminiscent of demons and the way that they work. I was easily won over, very accepting of what the entity originally presented to us, Sally. I was not able to convince Tony that what was in the house was good or innocent. We often look back and wonder if the female entity actually entered with her own objectives. Then again, it may have been something sinister from the beginning. We seem to willingly accept the presence of a demon who encouraged us to open ourselves up to treachery and the possibility of a terrible demise. Why would a spirit work so hard to drive Tony crazy but to give me positive experiences? Was I a sacrificial lamb? Something to add to Tony's confusion by challenging his thoughts and beliefs? Had I been so blind to the motives of this little girl's spirit that I had grossly misjudged the actions of something way more terrifying. Creepy. They do end up leaving the house. They end up leaving the house um, about three years after they entered it because they really start to feel that if they stay there any longer, 
um, somebody's going to get hurt. Now, this is after they have a shamanic clearing of the house. So a Native American Indian lady comes in and confirms that there's two malevolent spirits in the house. Oh, one a man and one a woman. But she does think that there's a little girl there as well. Now, if you read any histories of the Sally House online, because it is one of the more famous haunted houses in America, there is a story that Sally was, is the spirit of a little girl uh, who went to get a routine surgery at this house where a doctor lived, a surgeon lived there at one time and that she died during the surgery. And that's why her spirit has remained in the house ever since. This couple actually did really, really her research on a Sally that could have lived there at any time or was a patient in the vicinity who died. And they can't find any historical records to match this girl. Now, maybe Sally, it wasn't this girl's name. Um, And of course, the house was lived in by many people over the years. And if it was the surgeon's office, which I think it may have been, then, you know, there would have been dozens of children treated there over the years. So some people think that it might have been a Sally that died in a road accident beside this house. But again, there's no historical record of that. But there is, this book is does actually have loads of like supporting evidence. Like they did have a TV crew there that were there four times. This crew said that they saw more activity there than they had in so many other places they had been. Tony was attacked again and again and again. Like the man came out of there like he'd been in fucking just through 10 rounds with Conor McGregor. Like in bits, in absolute bits. By the middle of summer, they moved in in the start of 92, I think. Oh yeah, I think they were gone by the end of 94. Um, their marriage actually survived it, which I think is really, really surprising. Especially because he had said over this time in the house, Will, that he had all these thoughts of murdering his wife. Like he was, he was like, the thing was like, killer. Not like outright, but he started having all these thoughts about harming her. And it was really interesting because he was getting all this shit. He was having all these evil thoughts and she was having a, a lovely experience with this ghost child she had adopted. I was chatting to her like she was there and putting putting dinner on the table for her. Yeah, what? yeah, that's the creepiest thing is the way that this thing was had some sort of intelligence where it was able to like play one off the other. Yes. Well, I don't know if that's the right word or phrase to say, but you know, was able mm. to be mm. was able to be like, oh, everything's fine over here, and then be like, no, she she's the problem, <laughs> which is even more yeah. creepier and weirder. Um. Yeah, fair play with the marriage if it's still going strong after your husband wanted to kill you. I do think that episode that I read out, though, like it sounded like it was sleep paralysis and that he was kind of like, you know, very sleep paralysis apparition thing going on there. Yeah, and there was there's a good few like there was loads more. um, And I just gave you one because a lot of them like kind of did seem seem kind of the same and it's easy to kind of talk that one down you're like oh yeah it's kind of like sleep paralysis kind of a thing and like he did work weird hours and his sleep patterns were all interrupted and he was having problems sleeping and all the rest of it so I know and that would have kept that would have kept I could see why Annie's yeah. wife because even though she kind of believed in ghosts she was also quite practical she was like oh you're just really tired you're probably having a hallucination or whatever Um, but it's 
really funny their different experiences like he said that he could mm-hmm. hear things in the walls and hear voices and everything like all the time isn't it often the thing that it's people who are non-believers or of the experiences and it's funny because the psychic that they were talking to in this story said to Deborah at one time Deborah was like oh but I'm the believer like I'd like to see her why can't I see her and the psychic says to her but honey you already believe why would she need to show herself to you? And I suppose that is kind of interesting because if you're already a believer, like why do you need to see it? But her husband wasn't a believer in any of this at all. And uh, you could see how a Catholic upbringing would scare the shit out of you. I'm immediately like, demon, demon. (laughs) Immediately go to the demon. Well, it does sound very demonic in fairness. It doesn't really sound like an innocent little girl. It just sounds absolutely something from the depths of hell that was like bored off its tits and then was like, okay, I'm going to fuck things up here. Um, yeah, so if you Google the Sally House with an IE, you will find loads more information about it. I will put up some of the photos of the scratches because they're insane. And um, I just think they were all just lucky to get out of there with their fucking lives, to tell you the truth. Yeah, definitely. Definitely were. I think that was a definitely close call. Um, it's kind of interesting the way these things kind of influ- seem to be influencing you, but ultimately it's up to you to make that decision at the end of the day like the free will and all that yeah. isn't it really creepy isn't that yeah. really like, unless they unless they full on took your body over well that's it but like they might just take it over bit by bit like do you know what I mean like something's after taking over you there in the last few years hello Emery. the watchers <laughs> took me over Emery. <laughs> And he's always watching you. In this case, he's listening. He's using his ears instead of his eyes, and marie <laughs> Welcome to 657 Boulevard Kilkenny. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, The Watcher. Thank you for coming and joining me today. Thank you to William as well, the entity that you have taken over. Um, thanks to everyone for listening thank you to all our beautiful patrons we love you guys so much and join us next week for another mystery Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.